Hi, I'm Victor Milligan, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means. We're exploring the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And joining me on the phone today is Kevin Moffat, Office Depot's Chief Retail Officer. To talk about Office Depot's strategy, welcome, Kevin. Thank you, and great to be here today. So, Kevin, our story kind of starts with a merger with Office Max, but it's probably better framed as starting with the addition of Jerry Smith as CEO. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we, we started a very significant transformation journey a little over a year ago. Actually, I would say it's 18 months ago at this point, um, where we really wanted to reevaluate our company's role in the overall business community and and get back to the root of our of our corporate mission, which has always been around powering professional success and uh, making sure that that business owners of all sizes um, are set up with the full solutions of products and services that they need um, to be successful and to grow their businesses and connect with customers in uh, in new and unique ways um, versus what they have potentially were expecting from us in the past. Uh, it's it's been an amazing journey already with the first 18 months of this process, um, where we've seen every every possible flavor of transformation within a corporate environment from uh, the way that we view our financials to our our HR program, our communications, um, both internally and externally, um, how we think about our labor force uh, in the field and in our corporate headquarters, and really, and probably most importantly, how we connect to our own customers, how we get our message across and and how we can explain um, that full gamut of, of products and services that we offer to them. It's kind of interesting going back to the start of the 18-month journey that Jerry came from the technology and services arena. He didn't come from retail, so he gave you a context, sort of a way to think of the future world that you're going towards. That has to have served as an accelerant. Absolutely. You know, I thought it was a very bold move um, by our our corporate leadership organization um, to bring in uh, Jerry Smith, not because of his his talent and abilities, which, uh, of course, are are world class, um, but from that view that his experience set was focused in a very different direction than the traditional commoditized retail um, business model that you might expect. Uh, someone who's leading this this company to to possess. Now the reality is we're already uh, a very big B2B player. Not a lot of people know that. Most people's perception of the company is based on our retail storefronts. Um, but we serve co- co- companies all the way up to some of the largest um, companies in the world, and we've been focused on that B2B space for decades now, um, and growing that business. But what Jerry Smith coming to the organization allows everyone to take a bit of a broader view of what the company is about. And, uh, you know, he's really helped prompt some serious dialogue around, uh, you know, what are those technology and services um, offerings that we can bring to our customers that maybe look very different than, than how we operated in the past. Um, probably the most significant evidence of, of that is our acquisition uh, last year of a very large uh, technology services company called CompuCom, um, headquartered in the Carolinas. And uh, with the addition of CompuCom to our, to our corporate um, structure, we now have the capability to serve customers in much broader ways when you think about, you know, this transition that many companies are going um, into as far as moving, you know, a bit away from the traditional paper ink toner based view of communications to really embracing digital. 
and whether that's email or chat um, or even video conferencing, um, to be able to power that new version of inter-corporate or inter-company communications through technology is really critical to our future success. Right. Before we go into the full pieces of change as well as B2B, I kind of want to return back to the retail storefront comment, if I could, which is, was was this strategy at all based upon your guys' take on the retail market as it existed or will exist going forward? Is there anything about, because there's a lot written about sort of the the transformation happening, whether people like it or not, within retail, especially for sort of the brick and mortar stores. Is there anything about that that you guys observed that said, we don't want to put our dollars there. We want to go back to our roots and into the B2B services arena. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't say we, you know, I wouldn't say we, we're making the, uh, the statement that we don't want to put our dollars into retail. I mean, we, we believe fundamentally that omni-channel um, and, and developing a world-class omni-channel platform that really combines the best of physical and digital retailing together is how we will win going forward. But what we've really learned in the last five years or so is that stores are critically important. Roughly 85% of all uh, retail transactions still occur in stores. And, you know, that number will decline, but um, not radically, even in the next five to ten years as you project it out. A majority of, of retail sales will still occur in a physical environment. And so if you think about that as the base of how people will shop into the future, it's less about, you know, stopping the investment in stores. It's more about trying to reimagine what a physical location or a physical connection point can mean for our company going forward. Right. And as you mentioned, you serve you know, large companies, but I'm intrigued about the small, especially the entrepreneurial, which is you guys must have had a take about the expected economic um, growth that we're seeing, at least in the U.S. here, about sort of the opportunity for for you, but more point, their, their, their technology and office needs that would come from them standing up new businesses or them growing from a small business into a mid-sized business. What was your take on the expected growth and it hasn't materialized in the same way you thought it would? I mean, absolutely. Well, you know, our numbers are about six and a half million new businesses will be started in the U.S. alone in 2018. And we think about many of those uh, entrepreneurs will be either already are Office Depot customers or will become simply through the process of opening their their new businesses. You know, they'll need the supplies and, and some of the more traditional um, tools that we think about coming from our stores. But much more importantly, they, they need service. They need expertise. They need, um, you know, advisors who are going to help them get through this process. Um, the stats are something like 20% of New businesses will um, fail in the first year, and 50% will fail over the first five years. Um, so what we've seen in talking with countless entrepreneurs and small business owners um, over the last year or so is that, you know, these, these, are, these are not areas that they necessarily have training in. Um, you know, they may be the world's greatest uh, cupcake maker or, you know, whatever their passion is. Um, that they're able to turn into a business, but they don't necessarily have MBAs and they don't necessarily understand, uh, you know, how to connect uh, a network or build a website. And, and those are the areas where we think there are significant opportunities for us to build a community um, of like-minded entrepreneurs uh, where, where they're able to really take advantage of, of the scale that we offer and, and locations everywhere um, across the country um, to be able to help them really grow their business that certainly survive that first year, which is right. really critical. Yeah. And so you put out 
BizBox into the marketplace, which which really serves that interest, as I understand it, which provides sort of a, a collection of services for them bundled in a relatively easy way to acquire and easy to deliver so that they can focus on what they're trying to get accomplished. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we're, we're, um, we're evolving a complete suite of business services that really builds off of our core competencies in We've had a copy and print business that's very strong, and we also have had a tech services business in place uh, for quite a, a while as well. Now we're layering in completely new services, right? So uh, we've built in the ability to, um, to manage digital marketing capabilities. You know, if you think about it, you come in and, and print a brochure with us. Um, chances are, if you're printing brochures, you need some digital air cover too. You may not know it, and you may not have uh, a Facebook page. In fact, we did some some research, and uh, the number was about half of our customers um, did not have a a, uh, a a website, and more than half of the customers did not have any kind of social presence at all. Right? And you think at this point, we we joke all the time. If you're not on the first page of Google, you probably don't exist right. um, in many of your customers' minds. So, you know, these are still areas where there's a lot of work to do for um, these small business owners to gain awareness of how they can connect and grow their customer base in 2018 versus how it was done even even really five years ago. Um, because, you know, you think about uh, if you're a restaurateur, Yelp is your front door, you know. Um, and if you don't have great reviews on Yelp, chances of you even having someone come and walk in your front door may be much lower. So it's that kind of new challenge that we see that, that we're trying to build out the services to, to help our customers really, uh, first of all, understand what's even possible, um, but then to really take advantage of it. Yeah, and it strikes me that there's a part of coaching here, which is not just what's possible, but in some cases, did they know that that was even necessary, that that's actually the way the market works? So in this case, you're, you're giving them the landscape that whether it's earned media or paid media or their own, which is you have to be in so many different or you know, so many different places to catch the attention of people who are going to end up being their, their customers over time. Exactly, exactly. Was the, what was the thinking behind the idea that this was a subscription service? Really, we see services falling into two different buckets. One is subscription-based services and one is ad hoc services. You know, the, 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 let's start at the simple one, ad hoc services. So you, you create a, a company, you probably have a need uh, in the short term for some legal support, right? Uh, but then over over the long haul, you also probably want really easy access to some legal services that you may not use every single day, but you you want to you know you you know over the course of a year you're going to have a need for being able to uh, access those kind of services um, because if you're if you're thinking about a longer term business model, we can provide a really nice cost basis um, for the the customer to be able to take advantage of those services. Um, same same approach uh, applies in our technology services area. So you may have uh, you know a specific need to break a cracked iPhone screen today, right? That's an ad hoc service. But we also have services like our our 24/7 tech support service. That's a subscription where for just 15 bucks a month, we'll cover three of your electronic devices and give you um, easy access to uh, tech support any time of day, right? So you, you try to log into your computer and suddenly everything crashes, you know, and it's the middle of the night and you have a, a presenta sales presentation that you're about to give the next morning. Who's there to help you? Um, those are the kind of things that we can provide access to through a subscription service. 
And as, and as this ramps up or continues to ramp up, what effect has it had on the retail stores themselves? Or is it that you're seeing different people come to the retail stores or are you starting to see some cross-pollinization of BizBox over into the stores? Yeah, so it really is. I think that we have a very large business customer base today in our stores. When we look at our total sales and how they split between consumer and more consumer behaviors, which is really a lot of uh, parent and, and student um, project type uh, sales. Um, but then when we look at the B2B side, we already have many of these small business customers are coming in. So we really want to take a balanced approach with, with the marketing here of, of opening the, the lens with our current customers and making sure that they're aware of these additional services and offerings that we have, and also attracting in completely new customers who, you know, they, their, their vision of what Office Depot uh, is and the value that we can provide may be very different than the reality of today. So there's a lot of companies that, that I talk to that are attempting to recondition their customers to say either A, we've changed, or B, we're changing because they have a very you know fixed view of who they are, whatever it might be. So you're going through that same process. What were some of the, the strategies and tactics that you used to coach your existing customers and future customers, hey, we're different? Yeah, so some of it actually has to do with training our associate community who are interacting with our customers um, on a regular basis. Uh, you know, we, we already have, I, I, I can give you some examples where, um, you know, we, we've had customers who are coming into our store to print um, brochures every single week for the last 10 years. Wow. You know, in many cases, we know that person by their first name. We know their children's names. We know the schools that those children go to. Um, you know, we've developed a really deep relationship with those people. And frankly, when we talk to those business owners, they see Office Depot as an extension of their business. I mean, to me, that's, that's about as good as it gets, right? Um, and that's an amazing foundation for us to then say, when they come in the next week uh, to pick up their brochures, to say, oh, you know, what, what, hey, let me just ask you, how are you guys thinking about, you know, some of the more interest, uh, more innovative uh, marketing techniques that are out there? I know you've been mailing these brochures for the last 10 years, um, but I have, we haven't really talked about, like, Facebook or, or Yelp. You know, what are you guys doing there? And it's amazing how, you know, as we, as we start to encourage our associates to just take a step back and, you know, not just serve the specific need of today, but start to get to know more of the real challenges that our customers are facing, that the offering that we can put together for them is so much more valuable and frankly appreciated because it's, all, it's not like it's coming out of nowhere and we're you know, just going down a litany of things you might want to buy from us, but that it's based on the relationship we've already established. And that's really critical for us. Right. You made the connection to your associate community. So let's talk about change for a second. I think you have something in the order of 50,000 employees. You know, some see that they're rolling Office Depot squarely in the context of the store they work on or work in. How do you think about, how did you instill the desire to change or to, as you described it, to play the role of borderline consultant to customers that might have known from a retail context, but now they're treating them differently, thinking of them differently, and certainly serving them differently? Yeah, and it's in, you, you say borderline consultant, that's exactly, we, we, we are talking about a consulting relationship, right, and, and moving more into that model. 
we really started with the field leadership team. So our store managers, we have 1,400 stores across the country in Puerto Rico and, and the Virgin Islands. And, um, you know, we started with that group, and we've been touring all across the, the country and meeting with groups of store managers and, and really get, encouraging them to think differently about their position in the company as being empowered, empowered to serve uh, those clients in, in different ways um, than potentially they had thought of their role previously, right? And and a lot of that has to do with exactly as you're talking about, just taking this approach of, of um, you know, taking a step back and making sure that we see the bigger picture. I don't know how many articles have been written about the concept of culture, especially changing it. Um, and most of those articles start with, hey, you should, and they finish with, but but I couldn't. It didn't work. It, it didn't really catch. How did you confront the culture question? So I'll tell you, culture is the most important thing to me uh, as a leader. And I think the, the um, tool to build culture is communication. And, you know, like you said, there's probably a thousand articles that will say exactly that. But communication is easy to say and very, very hard to do, um, especially when you think about a broad field-based organization. Uh, one of the things that, that we're doing to really go after uh, this idea of the, the disconnect or the distance between the headquarters team and our field-based organization is to leverage technology and the power of digital to bridge that gap. Um, you know, we, we've uh, brought out a, a weekly video series that's uh, very conversational, very informal, um, but highlights some of the innovative work that our teams are doing in store across the country um, and gives me a chance to recognize uh, that, that great work um, that's being done. Um, there's a lot of innovation and great ideas that come from our field leaders because they're the ones who are interacting with our customers every single day. And so it's really trying to create that two-way bridge of communication um, that I, I think is, is the critical foundation piece for building out the culture of empowerment and innovation. Um, it, it all has to, it starts with making sure that the team understands that A, they are empowered um, to, uh, to, to go after new ideas and to try stuff, um, but that B, when they do that and they're successful, that there are real processes that will allow those innovations or those ideas to be able to take root and scale at a broader level and, and really impact the entire organization. And, and Kevin, how did your, your customers who are interacting with you differently, how did they participate in helping drive the change? Yeah, that's a great question. We, uh, you know, we, we love our customers first and foremost. Um, we, ha we have done a, a, a tremendous amount of customer research, um, both one-on-one -on -one customer research as well as more you know, larger scale uh, customer research surveys and feedback loops. Um, you know, what I personally enjoy the most is we've, we've invited small groups of entrepreneurs um, to join us in our headquarters building as well as to join us out in the field um, and to be able to do some Q&A, personal Q&As um, with those customers where they talk about their founder story, they talk about the key challenges they face, but they also talk about ways that Office Depot um, could potentially help serve them better or in, in different ways going forward. And those sessions have been incredibly powerful. First of all, there have been some great ideas that have come from those that mm. we're 
either have already implemented or are in the in the process of developing. But more importantly than that, I think that shows it's a physical demonstration to the team of just how much, when we say we want to be a customer-centered organization, just how seriously we take that. Yeah, we do see some organizations falling into the trap of talking a good talk, but not really walking the walk. And so they don't see a visceral visceral examples of customers showing up and sharing their lives, their stories, their problems, you know, their ambitions, whatever they might be. Exactly. So we, we actually just did a session. Um, it was in uh, Minneapolis where we had seven different small business owners there. And it was really interesting because it was a very diverse group. We had a tattoo artist. We had <laughs> a, a restaurateur. We had a woman who owned a small print shop. We had an insurance agency. Very, very different. But it was interesting to hear, you know, yes, there are some differences, but there were some key themes that all seven of them had in common um, that really rang true to Office Depot's core mission. Um, So it it was a powerful experience. That's really neat. What was surprising about it? As you go through this process, either surprising in your your associate response or surprising in your customer's voice, what did you find that you didn't expect to find? Uh, you know, this this is probably going to sound uh, pretty generic, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. I have been really surprised at how much uh, openness there are there is uh, within our customer community about Office Depot really doing this kind of stuff. You know, doing more in they they almost feel like oh you don't you don't do that already. <laughs> you know, like uh. Uh, like it feels so natural because. Uh, of their interactions that they've had with us in the past. And I'm talking about, you know, these are more of our long-term customers that we've served in, you know, whether it's a kind of a print marketing role or a technology services role, or even just a core products, furniture, tech, you know, computers um, role, they see us as a partner already. And so that's been really inspiring. Um, but I think the part, part of it for me is what, what has surprised me is just how energized um, our field organization is at the idea of of being able to to uh, to not only share ideas that maybe they've had for a long time, you know, maybe it's been five years, maybe more, um, that when those ideas are given uh, a forum to be able to be shared, and that they see that they, they, we really are serious about taking action on those things, uh, that has been a really powerful powerful force. That's great. I'm going to return you a bit to your roots in digital. What had to be true in terms of your website, the harmonization of the physical and the digital, or even just the digital in terms of delivery of services to customers? What did you have to do to kind of get your digital capabilities on par with the promises that you were making into these offerings? Uh, so it was it was a lot of work. Um, we, we had to move fast, and and frankly, it, it's an iterative process, right? We're continuing to make improvements. Uh, we we are very big advocates of the agile development process, which is um, you know it's a test and learn um, methodology that uh, it 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 implies that you break things up into small chunks, right? And you don't try to to shoot for the world's most perfect product on day one. Um, but that you get something out there quickly based on some initial customer feedback, test it, see what works, do something else, create another layer, the things that aren't working, fix or stop. Um, We've been leveraging that methodology here now for about six years, Um, and it's really been very valuable for us in in being able to stay competitive as the digital world 
uh, as you know, so rapidly uh, transforms. For us, it's, it's staying true to that core mission of simplicity. And uh, we want to have a, just a really great, easy-to-use customer experience. We're, we're not trying to, to go after every bell and whistle that's possible. Um, frankly, I, we don't think our customers are all that interested in those kind of things. Um, they just want an experience, whether it's a digital or a physical or a combination of both, um, that's, that's convenient and adds value. Um, to their life. What, what we know in talking to our small business customers is that time is very, very much their most scarce resource, right? Yeah. Um, and so they're looking for partners who can help them take best advantage of their limited time that they have available. So we've had a, a, a whole bunch of conversations with Forrester analysts and clients about change, especially the kind of change that you just spoke about and especially about changing the very nature of how associates think of their relationship with customers. So, Kevin, what kind of coaching would you give others that are embarking on change in the midst of it and just getting frustrated with the lack of meeting their expectations and they have to reset? What did you learn? What did you find? And what would be the coaching to the marketplace of how to handle change at this scale? And especially coming from market that, you know, retail is perceived to be a bit fragile, but you're now moving into a marketplace that is vibrant, especially with just the sheer growth of the entrepreneurial market and the small businesses. I think the key to all of this is to remember that I, I think every business, but certainly our business, is a people business, right? Uh, both our internal teams as well as the customers that we serve. Um, we have to remember that uh, they're not robots. They are, they are human beings with uh, feelings and limitations. And, uh, you know, they, I think internally um, our associate community wants to know that they're part of a, a, of a larger mission and that there's a real opportunity for them to impact the world in some positive way. Um, I think our core mission of empowering business and professional success is, is that's a, that's a great mission. I mean, that, that is, uh, you know, we think about it, that, that moment of hanging your shingle up for the first time, there, there's very little, uh, that I can think that's like American as, as baseball and apple pie. Right. I mean, yeah, for them, that's a, that's, that, that's a seminal life moment. That's the way they're going to define their future. Exactly. And you know what, the fact that we can be a part of that, um, and, you know, frankly, people ask me what success looks like, and, you know, I think they probably have a very different expectation for us. Success looks like, A, that even more small businesses are formed, that more people, because of they, they have a support structure in place, that they're willing to take that leap and, and to try something new and to innovate or create or build um, because they know that they're, they have increased confidence based on uh, these services and solutions that we can provide them, that A, more, more businesses are started, but that B, we can reduce that failure rate. You know, if the failure rate is 20, I'd love for us to be able to bring that down to 18, you know, and for us to have some kind of real world impact on entrepreneurial success rates. Um, I know that that sounds pretty big, but that's the kind of thinking that we have at Office Depot and frankly the kind of, you know, big picture strategic um, innovation that I think uh, you need if you're going to drive growth because as you said, it, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And every day is, is another grind and struggle and, and you have to keep that big picture 
really in front of you so that you personally stay motivated, but that your teams uh, stay motivated as well. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing, I know, again, everybody would say it, putting the customer in the middle of everything you do, um, whether that means, uh, you know, actually physically bringing them in and talking to them um, or, you know, uh, connecting with them through digital means, but you have to have your customers involved in every decision point. Uh, and if you don't, you, you, you do so at your peril. Um, because it's clear to me that um, that customers lead the way, and uh, that at this point, and, and I think a lot of retailers have fallen victim to this, and certainly some of them, have, you know, are are no longer around. Uh, you know, they they lost their way a bit, and and customers were able to out innovate the business's ability to keep up with them. You know, uh, so I, I, that's where I'm at at this point. I think customers' expectations are changing faster than most businesses are able to uh, to change with them. And only by bringing them into the process do you have uh, a real competitive chance um, to stay current and to provide value as the market shifts. Yeah, I think it's interesting that conviction and enthusiasm for the purpose of the company is actually a competitive differentiator. It, it's it's more than a rudder; it's an engine. Um, and at your point, retailers something if they don't have that, they can make all sorts of decisions that go left and right that otherwise you can get so easily lost in the operational realities of any day, um, you know, and nobody can afford to lose a day, right. certainly not our small business owners. Kevin, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for your time and your input and, and your coaching. It's been a great experience and I wish everyone the best. Um, I'd love to hear feedback or questions if, if anyone uh, has them and uh, I'll look forward to our next chat. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Take care. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.